Hey, everybody. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. Um, I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here, and I'm so excited that you've uh, decided to hang with us for three weeks as we lead up to Christmas. And we're going to kind of be talking about a really, um, what I would call, deep and meaningful and just kind of a, a, an emotion for the next three weeks that kind of pulls us in a whole bunch of different directions. And the emotion that we're going to be talking about is forgiveness. And so we're going to spend some time talking about forgiveness and how difficult it is, and it kind of, kind of picks our hearts apart and how we do it and how we can kind of make sure we do that better. And we're going to be talking about forgiveness kind of related to three entities in our life. The first one is forgiveness related to family. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to spend all morning talking about that today. Next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness related to ourselves and how to kind of move on from some things that we've done in our lives that we might look back on and regret and might keep us from moving forward. The third week, we're going to talk about how to look at what it's like to forgive God. If maybe you in your life have been angry with God at some level, someday, you know, on and off. And so specifically, we're going to take a look at what happens around Christmas time, around the holidays, when we don't deal with these things, when we don't deal with forgiveness, when we don't deal with these emotions that we have and how kind of around Christmas time, around the holidays, these things kind of come to the surface, forgiveness specifically being one of these major issues. And today, as we talk about family and we talk about these people who are in our lives, almost not by our choice, we talk about family, we talk about how difficult forgiveness can be related to the holidays if you haven't dealt with it. Because these people who are your family, they tend to come around more around the holidays, don't they? I don't know why that is, or, you know, we, we never interact with them throughout the entire year, but they seem to come around around Christmas and Thanksgiving and those type of places. And then when they do come around, if we have issues that we haven't dealt with related to them, they can kind of come out in some ugly ways. And today, as we talk about family, I just kind of want everybody in the room to know that it's going to be deep and it's going to be personal and it's going to be emotional. And it was for me during the first service and as I wrote this content, it's deep. And just buckle up for that because it's going to kind of mess with your heart a little bit as we talk about forgiveness and what that looks like in your own life. But as always, we take our lead from the scripture. We look at what the ancient text says about this. And if you've been around downtown Harbor Church for any length of time, and maybe you're not, maybe you're brand new, you can catch up at soflowchurch.com under our media tab. But during our first series, we talked a lot at downtown Harbor Church about a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul is a guy who was a person of kind of the old religious law. He was a guy who was standing up for the old way. In fact, he was a Pharisee. He was a guy who was uh, kind of obsessed with the law, making sure it was, you know, we, we put it on a pedestal and that we, 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 you know, went after it in our lives, that we did what the law called us to do. And then Jesus came and changed all that, but Paul still didn't like it. He was a guy who went after Christian, Christians, persecuting them, executing them. Them, killing them because he didn't like this new way, which was different than the old way. But then something happened. Paul met Jesus. And Paul actually became a follower of this Jesus movement so much it radically changed his life that he wrote over half of the New Testament in the Bible because his life was changed in such a radical way. And he actually had a lot of things to say about family. And he had some things to say about these people in our lives, children, parents, kind of extended family. He had so much to say about these people that we interact with. Now, so for today, we're going to look at what Paul said in the book of Ephesians. 
Now, Ephesians is the 10th book in the New Testament. And Ephesians was written to a group of people who were a new church, kind of just like us. We're starting kind of from the ground up, a new church in the town of Ephesus. And Paul had some things to say to these people called the Ephesians. Furthermore, if you do a study on this book and you kind of dig into it deeper, Ephesians is sometimes known as the book of unity. It's the book where it's trying to, where Paul is trying to get people to kind of get on the same page. It's the book where Paul's basically saying to these new Christians, Christians of the time, this is what he's saying. You all need to learn how to get along. That's what he's saying, okay? So this book, Ephesians, is super important, and it has some very interesting things to say about family, which will be the basis for where we will kind of start today. So let's dive in. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, it's talking to children, and basically it's talking to all of us, because all of us were children. At one point, we have parents. That's what it says. Obey your parents. There it is. Because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, these things, look at this, don't miss this, will go well for you. And you will have a long life here on earth. A long life here on earth. Do you want to know what basically he's saying? He's saying, parents, your parents are the people in charge. Listen to them. Show them respect. Honor them. Make sure you understand who is running the show. My dad had a saying when I was a kid. He used to say to me, son, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out, okay? He used a couple of expletives in there that I'm not going to use here, but he used, I mean, he used to say that to me when I was a kid. I brought you in. I can take you out. And I had respect and kind of reverence for my parents when I was a kid and still do to this day. And Paul confirms that. Parents are in charge. They run the show. But here's where the tension comes in. It wasn't just about parents running the show and who was in charge making themselves these kind of dictators of the home, making themselves these people who would enforce all these rules. Paul goes on to say, fathers, let's take parents and just lump that in there together. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. You know what this is basically saying? This is a two-way street. This is not just someone is, you know, ruling the house with ironclad fist. Yes, there is authority, but don't just provoke your kids. Don't honk them off and get them all mad. That's not going to be good to live with either. Don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. And let me tell you something that I think that we can just take from these two verses. If you look back here through this and you look at this verse, here's why Paul told those people that so long ago. At least this is why I think he told them that. Because he knew specifically within the home, specifically within the family, there would be conflict. Why? Because it's difficult to kind of be in a family setting with people. It's not easy. I remember like the first time like Caitlin and I, we got married and we started, you know, living together in Fort Lauderdale. And like, I was just like, why are you in my house all the time? Right? Like, and that's the thing, like, I didn't used to be that way. Like, why are you here? And now that you're here, I have to face this conflict with you consistently. And the same is true for our parents and our kids. Paul wrote this to us because he knew down the road and even families at the time we're dealing with this conflict. He knew that we would have to deal with it kind of within the walls of the people who are closest to us in our life. It exists. 
It's not going away. He told us this to try to make it better, but he told us this to kind of give us ammo that we would be ready to face it when it came into our lives. So here's a couple of things I want you to know. Whether you're a kid in the room or whether you're a parent or a grandparent or you're a combination of all of those things, here's a couple of things I want you to know about conflict specifically related to family. You will be wronged. There will come a moment in your life where you will be wronged. There's going to be someone in your family, one of your kids, one of your parents, one of your siblings, one of your kind of distant relatives, somebody who is, you know, a third cousin twice removed from your second aunt. I don't know. Like, here's the deal. You, at some level, are going to be wronged. And I actually just wanted to say that you will be wrong, and I kind of don't want to put an exclamation point on it. And here's what I wanted to say about you being wrong. I guarantee it. You know how I know that you're going to be wronged? Because if you think about the relationships that you have in your life, I'm talking friends, maybe their family, but they're just the people that you interact with on a week-in and week-out basis. If you put that face or that name in your mind, you can probably go back into your relational history with them and think of a time that they have been wronged by someone in their family. Here's the point. Every single person in the room will have to go through this. I guarantee it, and I know because I've been wronged. I have by people in my own family. And here's the deal. Sometimes they're little things. Sometimes they're like stupid, like little things. Like I remember like my mom and I got into a fight because I used the show towels in the bathroom like one time, right? I'm like, mom, why are they there if you can't use them? She's like, they're for show. I was like, that makes no sense. There, it's a towel. But there was like this huge blow up related to little things, right? And I was like, mom, you've wronged me because of the show towels. I didn't say that, okay? But, but here's the deal. There's going to be like some small things and then there's going to be big things that you have to deal with. And furthermore, when these things happen, if we talk about forgiveness, there's going to come a point in time related to your family that you have to deal with. Don't miss this. That you have to deal with these issues because these people who are our family, they don't go away. Even if they physically go away, they don't go away. They're always going to be there. That's where this next idea comes in. And I love this idea because it's filled with just gray. It's not black and it's not white. It's filled with gray and it's this. It's because in that there's tension. There's this, almost this rubber band that we kind of pull and we go, how far does this tension kind of go before it breaks? And this is a gray thing, forgiveness, because I've been wronged and I feel something and it generally is anger up inside of me. And I know that I need to make this right specifically with the people who are closest to me in my life. But do I want to do that? How can I do that? They've wronged me in a really bad way. That's where the tension comes in. So I went up uh, onto Google, and I looked up the definition that is most widely used for forgiveness. And I'd like to put it up on the screen so that we can just have a context for what forgiveness actually is when we do it. Here it is. To stop feeling anger. There's that. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, how important anger was and what a powerful emotion it was. To stop feeling anger toward, and in parentheses, someone who has done something wrong. Furthermore, to stop blaming someone. 
This idea of forgiveness is to stop feeling anger, to at some level going inside your heart, okay, I'm going to stop feeling this way about someone who has wronged me or about the action of someone who has wronged me. But let me ask you a question. Let me ask myself a question, I guess. Adam, are you saying that means that I should be a doormat? Are you saying that I should just let people back into my life over and over again who've wronged me, who've hurt me, who've, who've, who've taken advantage of me, who've, who've done things to me that are just really ugly? Is, is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. And I'm going to talk about that as we close the message today. But I also want to kind of make a point about what it does to you when you forgive. Forgiveness is not necessarily always about the other person. In fact, rarely is it about the other person. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness does not excuse their behavior. Someone who has wronged you, this is where the tension comes in. This is where the kind of the rubber band of how, how does this work? Let's pull this thing, this tension. This is where it comes in because forgiveness does not excuse their behavior. Meaning, just because I forgive you doesn't mean what you did is wrong. Sorry, I think I said that wrong. What is right, okay? Just because I forgive you doesn't mean what you did isn't wrong, okay? I'm going to forgive for a different reason. This is what it does. Forgiveness prevents their actions from destroying your heart. Forgiveness prevents their actions from destroying your heart. Think about anger and what it does. When someone wrongs you, the natural human reaction is to develop anger. Anger, that powerful emotion, and anger over the course of time in your hearts, we talked about this, will eventually lead to destruction in your life. Forgiveness prevents their actions from destroying your heart. Because when we let what's happened land in our hearts for too long, we eventually become destroyed. Here's something else I want you to know about forgiveness. When, has, when this happens in your life, specifically related to your family, a lot of blame gets spread around. Blame is an ugly thing, but blame just kind of happens. And Paul told us what to do because he knew that blame was going to get spread around. This is why it is. And here's what I want you to know about forgiveness and about issues in your home and in your family. Sometimes you'll be wrong. Sometimes you will be the person who is wrong and you will have messed up and you will have done something wrong and you will have wronged something in your family and you need to make that right. Sometimes you are the person who is wrong. Sometimes they'll be wrong. Sometimes it isn't you and you've just kind of been a victim of what's happened in your home or in your family or in your extended family. Sometimes they will be wrong and this is where kind of the rubber meets the road of tension in families because these relationships are so kind of unique and, and, and difficult in our lives. Sometimes you both will be wrong. Sometimes forgiveness needs to happen on both ends because someone has wronged you and then you wrong them back because you're hurt. That's where forgiveness comes in. Sometimes you'll be wrong. Sometimes they'll be wrong. Sometimes you'll both will be wrong. 
And when forgiveness happens in families, I believe there is two types of forgiveness that we should be looking at and how that can kind of work in our family. Here's the two types of forgiveness that I think exist. Number one is reconciliation. Reconciliation. Meaning, there's been a wrong, maybe there's been two wrongs or multiple wrongs, and everybody says in their hearts, yes, I'm ready to forgive, and then we're going to reconcile, which means we're going to come back together, which means we're going to be a family again, where reconciliation happens, and we move on, and we can have Christmas, and it isn't awkward anymore, or we can maybe even invite that person to the holidays because there's been reconciliation. There's also another type of forgiveness that is important to understand. It's separation. There's reconciliation forgiveness and there's separation forgiveness. And separation forgiveness is really powerful because what separation forgiveness is, is it's this idea that you have forgiven someone or they've forgiven you, but the issue was so real and so deep and so disturbing that you can't be together anymore. You almost can't be in the same room together anymore. So I started to ask myself, what type of forgiveness should we in our homes and in our families strive for? Reconciliation forgiveness or separation forgiveness? Here's the one. Reconciliation. We should do whatever we can in any circumstance to figure out how we can make this right and we can be reconciled with someone who has wronged us. But in certain circumstances, separation forgiveness is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Let me give you an example. Maybe, maybe you were sexually abused, and that's really ugly and gray, and what happened to you should never happen again, and even though you've forgiven, that might not work. Maybe you were emotionally abused, and you were totally just down on your luck, and you have forgiven, but maybe that's not the best scenario for you to be in. I told you, you should never be a doormat, but in any circumstance, including the two that I just mentioned, if it's at all possible, reconciliation, forgiveness is the absolute best thing that you can do. Now, related to forgiveness, I believe that there's got to come a moment in each one of our lives where if we're going to forgive, we say yes, meaning we kind of look at our feet we plant them in the ground, in the sand, and we go, I'm going to make a conscious decision to forgive. This person has wronged me. These groups of people have wronged me. My family has wronged me, but I'm going to make a conscious decision to put my feet in the ground, and I will forgive. And I'm not, don't miss this, I'm not looking back, even though there's pain. But even though you plant your two feet in the ground and you say, yes, I will forgive, yes, I can do whatever I can to make my own heart right with this, you also have to understand something related to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness takes time. Forgiveness is not something that necessarily happens immediately overnight. Forgiveness, even though you say, yes, I will forgive, those feelings of anger might linger in your heart. It takes a long time to fight your way all the way through that, but allow me to tell you something that I believe so strongly. It is worth the fight to be able to forgive, to work through this process. But when you plant your feet, in the ground, and there's a conscious decision when you say, yes, I will forgive. Understand that's the beginning of a journey and not the end of one. When you don't forgive, 
The series title is Unforgiving Christmas because Christmas is coming. It's a train that's barreling toward us and forgiveness is an issue that most of us in the room at some level deal with. When you choose not to forgive, some things happen in your life. And when you don't forgive, there's some things that you waste. When you don't forgive, see, we think that kind of moments are precious. And that moments are these things that kind of once they're out of the can, it's hard to put them back in. See, because when you don't forgive and you spend time dwelling on anger and dwelling on things that kind of destroy your heart and your life, here's what you waste. Time. And time that is ticking on each of us. Time that we can't get back. Did you ever know that you can't get back the time that you've lost? Time is so essential and so important for us to understand this concept of unforgiving Christmas and what happens when we don't do it. Because those moments that could change our future, those moments that we could actually make a difference in the life of someone, we lose when we harbor feelings of unforgiveness. When you don't forgive, you're wasting time that could have a lasting impact. When you don't forgive, you are wasting time that could help change someone's future. You're wasting time that could help change your future. And as I said, forgiveness, there's tension in it. It's not just about reconciliation or separation forgiveness. It's about those moments in your own heart that you miss when you choose not to forgive and they could have a lasting impact on you and on someone else's future. I told you that we were going to land in the book of Ephesians today and take a look at what Paul had to say. Well, it turns out that not only did he have something to say about families, but he also had something to say about forgiveness. And he was speaking to the early church, new people who were part of the Jesus movement, people who were starting this from the ground up. And why I love these books in the ancient text is because I feel like they're talking right to us at Downtown Harbor. Those of us who are so new at doing this, but we can't wait for every single Sunday to see what happens in our church. Here's what he said in Ephesians 4, 31, 32. He said, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If you're new to kind of hearing about scripture and stuff, you may not even know what I'm about to say. But there are multiple translations of the Bible. Scholars and um, kind of translators throughout our history having these documents and texts have translated those over the course of time using different words. And I don't necessarily always prefer one to another. I kind of get something from a lot of different translations. But I wanted to read you another translation of this exact same verse in almost a modernized form because I felt like it actually spoke so powerfully with the words that it used. I don't love this translation for everything, but I liked this verse, so I wanted to share it with you today. Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. Be gentle with one another, and I love this, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. 
Forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. My gosh, can you guys imagine if we just did this? Here's the deal. I want to call into like, just consideration a couple of scenarios I want you to think about. Maybe someone in your family has asked for forgiveness and you've said no. Why? Do you have too much pride? Do you want to see them suffer? Maybe you had an incident with someone in your family months ago, years ago, and you're now separated and you haven't talked with them about this. Maybe you need to reach out and make it right. Maybe this time of year is the time when emotions are sensitive and high that you just do it and you make it right because forgiveness is so important. And here's the one thing I just want you to know. Above all else, above all else, if you can get this, then everything in your family will be different. Everything, don't, don't, don't misunderstand this. Everything might not be right tomorrow, even if you get this right. These things take time. If you haven't forgiven someone in your family, you need to forgive them. If you haven't forgiven someone in your family, you need to forgive them. Not because I'm telling you to, but because Jesus instructed us to do that. Furthermore, if you are here and you're living here, you know how ugly and bad it can be. I'll tell you one thing that Jesus didn't say, which is important. You're like, you're going to tell us things he didn't say? Yeah, just for right now, just for right this moment. Jesus did not say that this would be easy. There was never a verse in the scripture where Jesus said, hey, by the way, you should show someone else forgiveness because it's easy. And you should do that because it's just the easy thing to do. Never said that. But what he did say was that you should forgive others because I first have forgiven you. He did not even tell us to forgive others as just words. He died so that we would understand this. That's how important it was. If you haven't forgiven someone in your family, you need to forgive them. And things related to the people who you surround yourself with the most and who are in your life for a reason, reasons you might not even know, will be completely and radically different. Forgiveness is gray. It's hard. It's real. It's emotional. It's powerful. And you need to do it. Let's pray. God, um, it's just one of those days where we just know you're here. We know you're with us, and we thank you. We just thank you for it. And um, I love that you've instructed us to forgive. I don't want to do easy things in my life. I like to do things that are just kind of out there and they mean so much because they're hard, but you've called us to do them. And forgiveness is at the absolute top of that list. Absolute top. And so God, I pray today that you would work through the hearts of these people who are in this room who are dealing with this very practical example, this very practical truth of things they need to work through in their own life. Dear Jesus, be present in our lives as we prepare just to celebrate with our family who you are and that you came to earth. As we gather around tables and trees and, and we deal with these things and these people that we don't always interact with and there are emotions tied to that, help us to forgive so we can make sure we get this right. 
We pray this all today in Jesus' name.